Good morning. I had to work, welcome you here to Rivermont today and invite you to turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 12 to 15 today of Deuteronomy chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I'll remind you that it is Labor Day weekend and I may be wrong, but I think that the U.S. is the only country in the world that celebrates labor by not working. I think we're the only country in the world that in order to honor our work and honor our labor, we stop work and labor. Now, that's mildly amusing, but I want to suggest to you that it's quite biblical. Not the labor movement per se, but rather to truly understand and honor our work, we have to stop and we have to rest. It's part of the rhythm that God has built into this world. Why does God command us to work hard And then to rest. Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner that is within your gates, or your male servant or your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Let's pray together. Father, as we begin to think about work and rest in our nation and work and rest before you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us by your spirit to understand your word and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently on Facebook, there was being passed around one of those lists, you know, the participation kind of games on Facebook. And it was one of those where you list your first seven jobs. And so I did it. And my first seven jobs were I was a concrete construction crew guy I worked as a camp counselor, then I was a lab tech in a research lab, and then I was a gopher, do whatever needs to be done in a surgical department of a hospital. Then I was an admissions office recruiter, and then a fundraiser, and finally a pastor. Now, I'm not sure what you can tell about me by stringing all those things together. But here's the important question. Which one of those jobs do you think was the most important? Some people will suggest that obviously it was the religious one. It's the, it's the pastor job because the jobs that really matter in this world are pastors and missionaries. And well, if you can't do that, then you get another job and may able to be able to give money to support pastors or missionaries. Right? But that's not the way the Bible teaches us about our work. What the Bible teaches us is that all of our work has value before the Lord and for His kingdom because He rules His world, at least in part, through our work. Whether we're cashiers or college professors or construction crew or law enforcement or stay-at-home parents or religious workers, the work, the callings that God has given us are important and valuable to Him and it is through our work that He rules the world. Today we're going to look at two questions. Why do we work and why do we rest? What does the Bible say about those two very important questions? First, why do we work? Well, first, we work because we are made to be image bearers of God. We're image bearers and therefore we work. Sometimes we look at work and we treat it as a four-letter word, which it is. 
But sometimes we think of it as a curse. We think of it as an unhappy necessity. Uh, I'd rather not, thank you very much. But work was good. Work is, was created before the fall. We've been created to work because we're made like God. Look quickly at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where God says, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, this doesn't mean that we are little gods, but instead God has made us like him in significant ways. As human beings, as male and female, we are more like God than any of the other creatures. There are things that can be learned about God by learning about human beings. And one of those things is found in this verse. And it is that God is a worker. God is a worker, and so we work as well. That's what's meant by you and I having dominion over the earth, as God says here. We represent Him and His ruling presence in the world. We've been commissioned by God to rule on His behalf over the world He's made. We've been created to to contribute to the world's flourishing. And we do that through our work. Now, perhaps you look at the, the, the um, unstained, untouched, pristine wilderness, like maybe the Amazon or the Alaskan wilderness, and you think that's the preferred state of nature. That's where it's really pure and that's where it's really good. But that's not what the Bible says. Instead, we as His representatives on earth have been made to make something out of this creation. We've been created to help this world grow, to discover and invent and develop and bring new things out of it that will benefit one another. To rule over this world and use it and fashion it as someone who is doing something like God does. We're made in His image. And He's a worker. And so therefore we work. He's a creative, a diligent God. And therefore we are called to be creative and diligent. And we rule over God's world through our work. Each of us. Not just pastors or missionaries, but but all of us together as we use our gifts and use our talents and participate in our callings, we rule over God's creation. Whether you are a lawyer or an engineer or a student, or whether you are a stay-at-home parent or a relief worker, or someone who farms, or someone who seeks to develop ways to provide clean water for communities, or safe streets, or design a better energy grid for a a city, or an educator, or you're someone who grows beautiful flowers so that the, the creative beauty of our God is shown forth in the world, you are called in using your callings to contribute to the flourishing and developing of God's world. That's part of why you were made. To work and partner with God. Making this world hospitable and a blessing to everyone who inhabits it. So as you go to work on Tuesday, remember that you go as a partner with God. You go doing His work like Him when you go into your workplace. We work because we are image bearers of God. But we also work because we are stewards A steward is someone who realizes that what he or she does is on someone else's behalf. A steward isn't the owner, but a steward rather tends something in another person's name and another person's authority. And God has told us that we are stewards of his creation. And therefore we work. Flip one chapter over to Genesis chapter 2. 
This second chapter functions to give more detail on the making of man or woman. It's a, it's a drill down into the sixth day. So look at verse 15 of Genesis 2. We read, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now that word that's translated work there is often translated cultivate. Sometimes it's translated as serve, as in Exodus chapter 1, describing the way that the Israelite slaves worked to make bricks in Egypt. Other times this word is rendered to represent work through the way of artisans or craftsmen did their work, as in Exodus 35, with how the artisans skillfully created the tabernacle. Or in 1 Chronicles 4, describing the way that linen weavers created beautiful linens. It's even just used to describe in verse in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 8, worship. As it describes the way that the priests work in doing their worship of leading God's people as they're gathered together. Maybe you don't think of worship as work, but the Bible calls it work. Now what we're seeing here with the way that all of these words are using to describe how God situated us in life is He's placed us in a spot where our work and our service and our worship are all linked together in a life offered to Him. We are called to cultivate this creation, to give our lives to improve this world because it all belongs to the Lord and we live here as stewards. Whether it's our work or our service or our worship, we do it all seamlessly in a life offered to God, all for His glory. Our work, our service, and our worship all together before our Father. Dorothy Sayers, the mystery novelist and sometime participant in the Inkling group with Lewis and Tolkien, once wrote this. Let the church remember that every maker and worker is called to serve God in his profession or trade, not outside it. The only Christian work is good work well done. We are stewards of God's world. And part of the way that He rules this world is in how you do your work, how you seek to make this creation a hospitable place for His creatures to dwell. So as you try to connect your Sunday faith to your Monday work, know that what you do on Monday is vitally important for God because on Mondays you do your specific part in ruling and cultivating God's world for Him. Sunday is tied to Monday in worship and work in a seamless life that's offered to the Lord all for His glory. Your work matters to God and not just in order to get a paycheck. Your work matters even if maybe, especially if you're not a pastor or a missionary. Your first seven jobs that you list on on that Facebook game, they all matter. They all matter before the Lord as part of His plan to cultivate this world for flourishing. Your work matters. But your work is not what gives you value. Our work is not what validates our standing in this world. Sometimes we may feel as though I matter if I have a job. Or I certainly matter if I have a job that counts in the eyes of the world. And that sense of being important if my job seems important drives so many of us to workaholism and drives us into the ground. 
where work can become an idol as if it were to offer some sense of of salvation. If I work enough, if I contribute enough, if I finish enough, then I really mean something. I matter something to someone. But that's not the Bible's plan for our work either. Which is why we're called to rest. We work because we're image bearers. And we work in order to to cultivate this world as stewards before the Lord. But we are also called to rest. Now you and I know that it's not easy to rest today. We live in a 24-7 world where we're pressed to always be on. And, And technology, which is designed to make our work better, actually makes it worse. Because of technology, we're enabled to work anywhere which means that we feel the pressure to work all the time and everywhere. Rest, true rest, is hard to come by. But it's part of our lives as disciples. It's part of God's sanctification plan for you to grow you in holiness, to make you more like God. We must rest. Why? Why does the Bible say we're called to rest? Well, first, we rest to testify to God's power. A few times we see repeated, especially in Exodus 21 and Ezekiel 20, a reason attached to Sabbath rest. See if you can hear it as I read Ezekiel 20, verse 12. God said, I give them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Did you hear the reason? The Lord has given us Sabbaths. He's given us a day for worship and rest as a sign. Or another way to translate it is as a testimony. It's a sign or a testimony to what? It's a testimony to the fact that God is the one who sanctifies His people. He's the one who sets us apart to live for Him in a hostile world. He's the one who grows us to be more and more into His image. Resting is a statement of faith. Resting is a statement of faith that says in God's power, He is able to do in me in six days what I feel like I need all seven to accomplish. That's the purpose of rest. In God's power, He is able to produce in me in six days what on my own I feel like I might need all seven to bring about. Rest, taking a Sabbath rest, is a faith testimony that says the results of my life And the results of my work don't rest on my shoulders alone. I don't keep my own world running. God does. So I can rest. I don't provide for my family all alone. God does. So I can rest. We commit our work to the Lord. And the Lord determines the results. We thrive based on God's power, not on our ability to produce. That's why we rest. And by using this Language of testimony to make this point. The Lord is saying, I want the world to know, and you, my people, I want you to know as well that I am the one who accomplishes my purposes through you. Our 24-7 drive to work robs God of that glory. Let me say it as plainly as I can. A refusal to stop and rest reveals the belief in a lie. It says we are indispensable. A refusal to rest tells lies about God's power. But rest calls us back to the truth, which is why the Sabbath is such a big deal before the Lord. It's why it's such a big deal all through Scripture. 
We rest because we testify to God's power when we rest. Now, I'm not going to give you a list of rules today about what you can and cannot do on the Lord's Day. That's not my purpose. I'm not here to try to bind your conscience. But instead, I want to challenge each of us to consider whose power we testify to when we refuse to stop working. Can you feel challenged by the Scriptures here, this principle from the Scriptures? If we rest, we testify to God's power. But if we refuse to rest, we tell lies about God's power. When we refuse to rest, we tell the lie that God is not able to provide for me. He's not able to keep His Word. I have to take care of me. It's the lie that we believe when we refuse to rest. The truth is, as Pastor Jack Miller once wrote, our constant activity gives us the feeling that we are mastering our world. We have an obsessive need to feel in control of our lives. And such a hunger is a primary obstacle to the spirits working mightily in us and through us. Did you hear that? Our hunger and our drive to master our worlds and be in control is a primary obstacle to the spirits working mightily in us and through us. Whose power is set on display by your life? In your work? And in your rest. We rest as a testimony to God's power. But secondly, we rest in order to live in freedom. The second reason is gets to the heart of how we so often move our work to the core of our sense of identity. I am my work. And when our work gets to the core of our sense of who we are, it can enslave us. Sometimes it feels like our work owns us, right? We can't stop. We can't rest because I have to produce. I have to finish. I have to do this to make my life feel worth it, to be valuable in the eyes of my boss or someone else, to earn my keep before other people. I have to do these things. But listen once more to the text that we read in the beginning of our time from Deuteronomy 5. God says, six days we work, but on the seventh we rest. Why? Verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Do you hear the reason? The reason we rest is because we aren't slaves anymore. Slaves were people who couldn't say no. Slaves were people who had to keep going, who must produce, who must finish their work in order to matter to a master. Slaves can't stop. And sometimes we feel the same. We can't stop because there's so much more to do. And you know what that makes us? Slaves. When we feel like we can't stop because there's so much more to do, and in order to matter, I have to do it all, it makes you a slave. It makes you a slave to productivity. It makes you a slave to that unforgiving master of your work. And your work will never be a loving master. But the Lord calls us to rest because we are no longer slaves. We've been freed from being owned by productivity. We work as an offering to Him to participate with Him in cultivating His kingdom work in this world, but we don't work to prove our worth to anyone. Because, friends, if you feel like you have to work hard enough to be satisfied in this life based on what you produce, you're never going to be satisfied. 
There's always more to do. There's always another client to see, another problem to solve, another deal to close, another test to study for and master, another mess to clean up. There's always more to do. And if you feel like I have to perform well enough to be satisfied and whole, then you will live your life as an empty person. But we rest because our God has freed us from that need, that drive, that identity of producing. But instead, the gospel says, the gospel of Jesus says, we rest because Jesus has already done for me. We rest because Jesus has produced perfection for me already. We rest not on our finished work, but on Jesus' work that's finished. He went to the cross and proclaimed that all the work that is necessary for me to count, for me to be valued, for me to be rid of all the shame that condemns me, it has all been finished. Jesus bled and died so that we can rest and no longer strive to prove ourselves to anyone anymore. We can rest because Jesus has freed us. We no longer have to attempt to give our lives meaning based on our physical work, but instead Jesus gives our life meaning by His work on our behalf. Your boss's approval is never going to give you a sense that your life matters. Your boss's approval is never going to make you feel like I'm whole. I can rest in this world because there's always more to do tomorrow. But Jesus offers you His approval. Jesus is the one who went to the cross and said, It is finished. So you and I can rest. That quest to matter doesn't rest on your shoulders any longer. The work rested on Jesus. And He has proclaimed that it's finished. So one day out of seven, we stop and we rest and we proclaim we are not a slave any longer. We stop and we rest to remind ourselves that the striving to be good enough is over. The attempt to do enough, to make my life count is over because Jesus has done that for us. And you and I can repent from attempting to work hard enough to matter and instead rest by faith in Jesus' finished work for us. We work, why? To give your life as a vocation to God. To give your life as a steward to God as He's equipped you and, and to, enabled you to cultivate His world. But we also rest because your work no longer defines you. Jesus does. You're not a slave, but a child of the King. Bought at the high price of the King's own blood. And rest on that. Hold your head high because the King is making you look more like Himself and then get to work doing what He's made you to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that we are invited in and commanded to work in the ways that You've gifted us and enabled us and we pray that You would help each of us to find a measure of joy in what we do with our hands. To find a measure of joy in our vocation, would you show us and lead us in the ways that we can cultivate and develop and bless this world for you. But also, Lord, we ask that you would help us to rest. To take a step back and remember that we are no longer slaves to productivity. 
Help us to take a step back and know that as we rest, we testify to your great power at work within us. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you because we will drive ourselves in the ground seeking to feel like we matter through what we do. And so would you help us to repent? Spirit, call us back to knowing that we are already people who matter because we belong to you. Give us rest in our work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.